this is the Ether Podcast, and I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Rachel. And this is Ryan. And today, we're continuing our series on how to study the Bible, and we are very excited because we're going to be talking about hermeneutics. And uh, in order to do that, we picked, we all picked a passage uh, that we agreed on. We're going to be reading Galatians 5 here in a second, mm-hmm. and then we're going to talk about what Galatians 5 means for us today. So we're super excited to be doing this in a podcast form, and uh, hopefully it will be helpful and be a good example on how to do hermeneutics. And uh, without further ado, Ryan, why don't you yeah. open us up? with a, a little segment that we like to call reading <laughs> by reading Galatians 5. Group of words make a sentence, a couple sentences make a thought. Yeah, this is, um, exactly. it's, <laughs> hopefully this is a good example of how to study your Bible on your own. Like, what am I going to do during my quiet time? What am I going to do when I, I read my Bible for myself? All right, let me try doing what they did. Hopefully it's going to work out well yes, today. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> this will be our best podcast ever. There we go. Yep. And it's hard to mess up when you start by just reading the word. Correct. So that's sure. what we'll do. All right. So Galatians 5, and I'm going with the old NIV approach and reading from my physical Bible with the pages and the papers. Let's flip back and forth. <laughs> Normally, I read on my iPad and flip back and forth between versions, but because we're going to read a large chunk, I'm going to read from one version, this one. Nice. All right, Galatians 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he's obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say... Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. 
the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Awesome. That was a great book. That concludes the segment of reading. There we go. Yeah. So here's here's the thing. Uh, what we're going to do is really quick, uh, just talk a little bit about the background of the scripture, and uh, then we'll get into it. And this, this again, this will be awesome. And so just to give you a little bit about background, for those of you who are listening, uh, Paul writes his letter to the Galatians, and this church is clearly made up of uh, both Jews and Gentiles. And there was seems to have been a very uh, a great conflict whether Gentiles should be circumcised or not, how much should they observe the law. And that is mostly what Paul addresses in this letter. And this whole issue about circumcision, he's actually been talking about it since chapter 3 of this book. And so if you want to get it, he goes into this whole detailed explanation about Abraham and how Abraham's promise relates to the Gentiles and all this stuff. Needless to say, I'm not going to go into all the complications about that. Just to give you a little bit of background here, Paul is very clearly trying to address an issue in which the Gentiles were being asked to be circumcised, and he says, no, that's not what's supposed to happen with the Gentiles because we are free from the law. And then he goes into this whole thing in Galatians 5 about walking by the Spirit, and all that stuff. And basically the question that we're trying to answer is, what does that mean for us? We, uh, none of us here in this podcast is Jewish. I, I don't know that we uh, ever have tried to force anybody to perform a circumcision. So this doesn't necessarily, uh, it, it's not a, an analogous situation. We, especially <laughs> in our church here in Columbia, South Carolina, nobody ever brings up the issue of circumcision as being an act of That's faith. That's not no. true. But an, as an act of... Right, uh, not an, an act, act of faith, yeah. no. <laughs> but neither of you are moms, so you're not involved in every uh, conversation about children. Conversations. But in as far as it proving your righteousness, I've never heard it from the podium be like, you should be circumcised. And this is not a, contro uh, a some kind of controversial topic that happens in the fellowship. Like... Me and Josh right. member don't find ourselves constantly uh, debating and discussing should we all be circumcised. So in as far as the argument itself that Paul is trying to make, it has nothing to do with us. So what do we take away from this scripture is basically the question. Well, I think something important to add to the description of what you just put out there is that the Jewish Christians were setting up circumcision as another thing Gentile Christians had to go through in order to be fully Same. 
saved. So it wasn't just the issue of being circumcised or not being circumcised. They were tying it to salvation. Mm -hmm. And it's, it was, yeah, you're baptized and so you are saved, but to be fully entered into it, you, you need to be circumcised right. as well. Obviously a big stumbling block for people wanting to become Christians who then get right. told, oh, so we're going to need to make a stop on the way to the baptistry. <laughs> right. That that would be somewhat inconvenient. But uh, to it, Very in fairness to the Jews, though, and I think it is important to point this out, that what the Jews are contending with is thousands of years of history in which all along they've been the chosen people and as sort of a seal of that choice from God all their males have had to be circumcised and mm -hmm. circumcision was sort of a, a an entrance if you will to your part of the Jewish kingdom and by extension the kingdom of God and so to a certain degree, it's not completely out of the question that the Jews would be debating this, bringing it up, because it's a very natural step, if you will, given their history and their context and certainly mm -hmm. their religious context, to go, well, how do these people mm -hmm. enter the kingdom without circumcision? And again, that's a lot of what Paul talks about from chapters 3 and 4. And chapter 5 is sort of his conclusion of that whole thing, right? Like, you know, the, verse 1 in chapter 5, it is for freedom that Christ has set, uh, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And one of the things that he's been talking about before is how the law, which they want to follow, clearly, was not just... Uh, wasn't their way to righteousness. It was actually what was keeping them from being righteous. And it was like them uh, failing to observe the law. Yeah. Was what was... And this is something that he doesn't just address just right. here. He He's having to, to do this time and time again. And he writes letters to the Ephesians and, and other churches about the same, the same right. thing. So this was a big, uh, again, a big not only in this letter, like Ryan just said, but a, an issue of contention in many churches. And so it is an issue, that I think, again, that, and I think this is the interesting part, it's an issue that to them was a big deal. It's not a big deal for us, which again leads us to the question, what do we do with this passage? So mm -hmm. uh, I can, uh, let me offer this, since... Uh, I prepared very well for this because uh, <laughs> uh -huh. I, I do I do think that Paul's overall point and how this sort of has what what this whole passage has to do with us is I think two things one that in Christ we enjoy a freedom that not the Jews never enjoyed and part of what he's trying to communicate is that we should thoroughly and uh, unashamedly enjoy that freedom. That Christ, in fact, died so that we wouldn't be held captives by the law, 
and therefore we can live lives that are free. And even uh, when he goes towards the end of the chapter and talks about the, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, I think part of the juxtaposition that he's trying to make there is that to a certain degree, Christianity is supposed to be a life without laws. Like, we don't have rules. We're no longer attached to the law. And therefore, we can live lives that are free. But it's very interesting what he says, that we should use that freedom to serve one another. That the whole law hinges on the fact that we should love one another. And it's very interesting because I think a lot of times when we talk about the fruits of the Spirit, one of the things that we automatically think of, like, how does that apply to me as an individual? Like, what is joy going to do to me? What is uh, uh, forgiveness going to do to me? What is patience going to do to me? But a lot of what we're supposed to use that freedom for is to love one another. And the fruits of the Spirit make a lot more sense when we observe him in the context of the community that we're a part of. And I think part of what we're take, supposed to take away from this is that when we live by the Spirit, not only do our lives thrive, but the lives of the community thrive. And again, along with that is this whole idea that against, I love when Paul says, when he talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit and he ends by saying, against these things, there is no law. Like, there is nothing, there's no limit to these things. Like, there is no line at which we, sh we need to arrive in order to be able to accomplish these things. We're supposed to do these things in abundance. And so, what mm -hmm. I think this scripture is about and how it applies to us is that a life of the Spirit is one in which we should be free from the burden of Constantly figuring out, like, am I messing up? Am I messing up? Am I messing up? That's not freedom. That's slavery. But what we should do yeah. with that freedom is love each other and do it in a way, like he says, walking by the Spirit, being patient, being kind, being joyful, being all of those things. Yeah. I really like that that mention of, of the community and being within the community. And it, it's so striking how little Jesus and the other biblical writers talk about the benefits to you of being Christian or um, thinking about yourself. You know, I was listening to somebody talk about um, the Lord's Prayer and how the two, the, the Lord's Prayer can be divided up into praying uh, to God, about God, for God glorifying God so focused on God then the other half of the prayer is about us give us this day our daily bread forgive us our trespasses that it's not a personal thing it's not let me pray about me and about myself and the focus of the Lord's prayer being such this communal kind of thing of I'm thinking about my part in this community and I'm praying for the betterment of our community. Um, I, li I like that because that's definitely not the way that I think. Right. And so as I'm 
sitting and reading this and thinking and, and even listening to what, what you're saying. And I think hermeneutics can sometimes be built off of what you feel that God is revealing through what other people are saying mm. and feeling challenged by it and, and led by. And so as I'm thinking about this, there's lots of things I can see, but man, just focusing on the, why am I doing this? I'm doing this because I'm a part of a community. And I think that what I, what I can see is in, in one element is that this, this idea of circumcision was dividing a community and that you've got this church Mm -hmm. that is, that's, that's fracturing because of this, this major doctrinal uh, question that had come up that Paul has to address. And you've obviously got people that are starting to line up on both sides of the fence and arguing their point. And Paul says, I have to, I have to settle this myself and I have to come in and talk about this which is seems to be the purpose of the letter. And so what Paul is talking about and what he talks about in many of his letters is unity. And let's work on the unity of the community, the unity of the body of, of Christ. Um, so I think that's one element, but I don't think you can get away from, from the idea of living under the law versus um, being free right. through faith. And I think that's a major a major piece because yeah um, I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna give up the microphone here for a sec, but I think that that's a major piece and I'll probably come back to that a little bit later but yeah I mean when I read this, so me being an English major and always, reading things from a somewhat literary perspective, I feel like I see a lot of directionality in this passage. Um, So Ryan, the version that you read um, is different than the one I'm reading. I'm reading the ESV as you were reading it. So verse 16 in my version says, but I say walk by the spirit. Um, And then it goes on to say, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And that whole tension in that passage, 16 through 18, of this idea of these two things going in opposite directions of each other, they're opposed to each other, they keep you, the flesh keeps you from doing the things that you want, that there's this tension between the two, Um, and which way are we walking? Because I think, you know, we all have the flesh. So if the flesh is our natural state of being, then we're going to all sort of naturally tend towards that direction unless we purposefully walk in a different direction, which is walking towards the spirit. And even what Paul says um, in verse 4, in my version, it says, you are severed from Christ, hmm. you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we are ourselves, we ourselves eagerly await the hope of righteousness. Um, and just this idea that going down the path of the flesh 
in that direction eventually leads to being severed from Christ um, and leading towards death, essentially, but how walking in the spirit, walking in a different direction, you know, the fruit of the spirit, what um, Rodrigo, what you were talking about, how against these things, there is no law, there's freedom, walk, go in that direction. I, I, I've had, because we've been studying, I've been studying the scripture, this scripture has come up a lot in my conversations with people of really identifying that tension. Because like you said, we don't debate on circumcision as an issue. But I think the idea of putting things as obstacles between us and Christ is a general issue that for this church, it was circumcision based on the experiences. But I think that human nature of putting things as obstacles between us and Christ, I think that's more of a, that's a universal, Mm -hmm. a more universal idea that we can all Mm -hmm. identify with. And, you know, he's saying, Paul is saying here that that's not, that's not leading towards the path of salvation. That's not leading towards the spirit. That's not leading towards Christ. Um, so I don't know when I read it, I've been, I've been reading it a lot through this idea of direction and which direction, um, and trying to pull out that idea of what do I put in my way that is an obstacle towards that will eventually lead me to being severed from Christ. If I put it above the lessons that I've already been taught, you know, Paul is always talking about, you know, go back to what I taught from before. Like, what did I teach? You know, what are the, what are the first lessons that you learn? Like, don't stray from those because these new things that people keep bringing in, you know, that's not what was taught to you. That was not the original gospel given. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things um, that, is, that is important that we bring up as we're talking about this, you know, it's interesting because I think um, as far as the, the exegesis, I think, by and large, I think exegeting scripture is uh, pretty normative in the sense that if you ask 12 people to do it, by and large, at least they should come up with something that are things that are very similar. But I think when it comes to answering the question of like, hey, what does this mean for us today? It's a little trickier. Um, There are certainly, I think, boundaries to... And this is one of the things that we talked about in the video, how uh, hermeneutics is, is really, to a certain degree, about putting boundaries around the question of, like, what does this mean for us today? Because a lot of being able to do that well has a lot to do with what it doesn't mean. What is what is the scripture not saying? And, again, if if you sort of ask the question of, uh, is, is this scripture in any way... Uh, addressing for us like anything to do with uh, circumcision or any of that stuff it's it's not and so I think coming up and, and not 
and now that what sort of the the different perspectives that all three have come up with have come up with are any kind of uh contentious nor could i sit here and say like no rachel that's absolutely not what it means or you know the whole question of how much is this about like community as opposed to the whole uh faith and uh, observance of the law thing i think those are things uh that i think we i think the best way to go through those things and to, and to address them is is in the way that we're doing now i think one of the things that I enjoy the most is having this kind of conversation of what could this possibly mean? Mm. And let's talk about what different things it could mean to us. And I think I've been swayed many times to change my mind about what certain scriptures mean, really from hearing other people and having discussions like this one as to like, hey, this may or may not mean what I thought it meant, or this mm-hmm. is what I thought it meant, but somebody brings up something up and I'm going like, oh, you know what? Like, I'm going to add to what I already understood. And adding this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You got to tease it out with with some folks and, and be able to kind of wrestle with it. Like, even as you're talking, I'm thinking, what are, what are the current um, implications um, based on the society that we live in? You know, a very fractured society. Is there something there? And I think I could stretch it, but I think one of the things that you're saying is that we got to be careful to not take a scripture and force it in somewhere. Right. Um, I guess I've just been thinking a lot about politics lately. Um, you know, we just had our midterm elections, and so sort of what everybody's talking about. And so I've been thinking a lot about it. But this does not have anything to do with with talking about politics and so i don't want to try and and jam it in there um but i I do think being able to step back and and say what what are the big things the big takeaways to summarize what he said and he talked about we can't allow ourselves to see salvation as coming through and by way of the things that we do mm-hmm. that salvation and the life that Jesus came to give us is um, apart from the law. Right. And I thought that it was interesting that uh, verse six for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Um, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And so I like this this thing he's saying. It's, I'm not arguing against circumcision. I'm saying that it, it, whether you get circumcised or you don't get circumcised, either one doesn't get you right. to heaven. You can't come back and say, oh, I was circumcised. I'm free or I, I'm saved. Oh, well, I was not circumcised. I'm saved because of that. He's saying, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Your deeds and your actions have nothing to do with your salvation. And he's been spending the past four chapters talking about that very idea of you cannot earn your way into heaven by Mm -hmm. doing deeds, by thinking that you can 
ever be good enough by trying to obey more than the next guy. That it just doesn't happen. That you've got to understand that real salvation comes only through faith. That it's not mm-hmm. because you've got this notch on your belt or this line on your resume. It's only because of our belief in Jesus, our faith in Jesus that has anything to do with why we are saved. Mm-hmm. And I think this is an important place to talk about the law because I think a lot of modern readers can dismiss what Paul is saying because we'll say, well, I don't follow the law, so the I don't Jewish have this problem. Me. Yeah. Yes. I'm talking right. specifically about the Jewish law because that's one thing that Paul is addressing in this passage. Um, and I mentioned this before, or last time we talked about this, uh, in verse 18, when he talks about that there's the flesh and the spirit are opposed, and it says at the end, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And for me, that always reminds me of Romans 7, at the end, when Paul is talking about this whole, what I want to do, I don't do, and what I don't want to do, I do. It's similar phrasing that he's using here in Galatians. Um, and this idea at the end of Romans 7, one, one of the things he talks about is that the, the waging of the war against the law of our, in our minds. And so I think it's important to identify, yes, we may not follow the Jewish law, but it is very easy to come up with our own kind of law mm-hmm. in ourself um, where we think this is the way things should be done. This is the way uh, a church should be run, or this is the way you should live your life as a Christian. Talking about politics, this is the way you should vote as a Christian. It's it's easy for us because we want to, I think as humans, we want to quantify things. Something that is appealing about the law is you sin and you make a sacrifice. And there's a specified sacrifice that you make for specific things on specific days. You know what I mean? Yeah. That it's very quantifiable and as humans we like that so even though we read this passage and we as a christian community now may not deal with the jewish law and people in our fellowship wanting us to follow the jewish law versus following christ i think from a human perspective we all have this natural tendency to kind of make up a law within ourselves that we may keep for ourselves or we expect people around us to kind of live up to. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. That's a, that's a real good point because, um, um, we do build these laws based on our, based on our own culture, our own background, our own traditions. Um, you know, what did Jesus uh, chastised the Pharisees for was their traditions that you, you're you're blinded by your traditions and you try and hold to these these rules and these laws and these ways that we've always done things. Now the Jews had 
a law that had been codified and written out Mm -hmm. and um, it wasn't easy to follow because it was arduous, but it was easy. It was clear what needed to Mm -hmm. be done that, that there wasn't any question. It was in black and white of you need to do this on these days. But now you're right. We've, we've come up with our own laws um, and you start getting discussions that that you say man this has nothing to do with the spirit of jesus and why do i feel like i'm being handcuffed because i now have to try and figure out am i obeying your set of rules and your set of laws um which is not to say that you go out and try and just stir the pot needlessly but Mm-hmm. being aware that that is not what leads to salvation. Yeah, and you, you know, let me let me say this because uh and I think this is why and especially since one of the things that I brought up was the whole issue of community. As I'm sitting here, uh it made me think about certain things That I think there, and I think why the discussion is important is because these discussions really make us see things and answer the question better. Because as we're sitting here, I started to think um, about some of again some of the applications that a scripture like this could could have. Um, mm-hmm. Because I do, I think part of the point that Paul's trying to make is is to not put unnecessary obstacles for people to to be part of the kingdom of God and especially when you take into account uh, our all our different church cultures it's so easy to do that um, I think uh, particularly for example in our context uh, for our church culture uh, I've had conversations in which um, so for those of you who aren't part of our church and may be listening to this, one of the things that we do uh, when somebody comes to church and we're trying to help them with their faith is that we sit down and we study the Bible with them. And we have just a series of Bible studies that we do with people. And by and large, most people who are members of our church have gone through, with a certain degree of variation, the same, the same set of Bible studies. And I think it is very easy for us to think that anybody, because of our church context, that anybody that comes to faith needs to go through the same process that we culturally in our church uh, have people partake of. When that's just us. Like, there, people can become Christians in other ways besides going through our set of Bible studies. Now... People need mm-hmm. to come to uh, a faith in Christ, and people need to repent. We believe that people need to be baptized, which may be controversial to some people that are listening to this. Uh, but, I mean, regardless of that, um, again, like, and I think one of the interesting things about the book of Acts, for example, is is uh, how many different ways people came to faith. And I think one of the points that Paul's really trying to make in Galatians 5 is, is about this whole sense of freedom and how, like, like Brian was saying, like Rachel said, like, it's not about the law. And it also made me think part of what you guys said, uh, and I know, 
I know that we don't purposely try to make uh, this podcast about political issues, but I do think that there's a, a conversation to be had um, about this whole sense uh, as we speak. And some, one of the things that's been in the news recently is uh, this caravan of migrants that are coming from South America who are marching towards our border. And there is a sense that uh, the right thing to do in that spot is to uphold the law and to really uh, make it a point to, um, even at the price of uh, the harm of these people who are coming here for help, uh, that because they are breaking the law, what we should care the most about is the laws of our land. And if you sort of look at what Paul is saying here, um, you know, it's kind of it's it's kind of jarring because and and again I think and and I think for people that listen to this podcast they may think that I'm some kind of anarchist and I don't believe in laws. I believe in this is not and I say that because <laughs> this is not the first time that this kind of thing has come up and I've talked about it in other podcasts. But I do think that there is. Uh, a perspective that that Paul is really trying to get to here, in which the greatest expression of mo- of our morality is one that comes through faith, and like he says, expresses itself in love. And I think, especially recently, a lot has been made about like uh, fervently and. Uh, and, and very pronounceably, if you will, like ho- holding on to the laws of the land, which the Bible does talk about obeying the laws of the land. But like, I think both in Paul's case and in Jesus' case, certainly a lot of the arguments that he had uh, with the Pharisees and, and the point that Paul's trying to make here, again, is one in which the greatest expression of our morality isn't one of legality but is one of love towards other people. And I think that is especially Mm -hmm. in a time like today where I think it's really hard to discern in situations like this one, right? Like in which there are people coming here who are going to cross our border and do so illegally, in which you're sort of uh, found in in a place where you have to decide what are you going to care more about? Are you care more about like the law? Or are you going to care more about the people? And if you read this chapter, one of the points that Paul is trying to make, and, and again, I think this is the kind of thing that we really have to ask ourselves, like, what do we do with this kind of stuff, right? The, because part of the point that he's trying to make is, again, that circumcision or circumc- or not circumcision doesn't really matter. What matters is faith expressing itself in love. And again, when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, which does involve love and kindness and patience and all of these things, right? Part of what he says against these things, there is no law. Part of what he's promoting here, if you will, is a certain degree of lawlessness. And that, I think, is something that doesn't necessarily... That challenges us, is basically what I'm getting at. And so, like, how do we sort of live up to some of the concepts that Paul is trying to pr- promote here and he's arguing for, I think is, is the challenge. Right. 
Well, it's funny, this conversation, I think, has helped me identify an issue I have had for a long time about the way I have heard or been taught this passage or the way I've used this passage in Bible studies. So the way I have used this Bible, this passage in Bible studies has been specifically to focus on Galatians 5.19 and the whole reading of sin. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious and going through them. Mm -hmm. And for years, that's the way I taught this scripture. That's the way I passed it on to other people when I was doing Bible studies. The ironic thing about it is that it has become a law of itself. Yeah. In a sense, a codified morality of this is the sinful nature. But there was a lack of conversation of which direction do I go in? So it was just, don't do all those things. All those things are the flesh. And let's let's break down all these different words so you can better understand your flesh. That's the way this passage has been taught to me. This is the way this passage I've heard been taught to others. But that is not what this passage is. I almost feel like Paul is just listing off a whole bunch of things of the flesh, but he ends it with, and things like these. So it's not supposed to be an exhaustive list right. of every single thing the flesh is like. He's just giving examples of different ways the flesh, but the emphasis is on the spirit. Yeah. The fruit of the spirit is this. And the the idea of as Christians, because, you know, writing to this church in Galatians, I think what he's trying to appeal to is the spirit that is living in them. Let this be your fruit. Be let the love and the joy and the peace, all these things, those be your fruit because it's the spirit living in you, not the flesh. And here are some examples of the flesh. But I've, I remember a few years pa back when I started really looking more at this scripture and I started teaching it differently because specifically when Rodrigo and I were working with teens, what I wanted to get away from was them feeling like Christianity was a bunch of rules, a bunch of do's and don'ts. But you could read this passage as a bunch of rules of do's and don'ts and codify it in a way of here's the law of what not to do. And the, the stuff to do is much harder, right? Because the acts of the sinful nature are obvious and specific. But the fruit of the Spirit is these broad categories of love and gentleness and kindness. He doesn't give specifics like he does in the flesh. And so I, I think this conversation has helped me identify that this whole passage is so much bigger than Galatians 5.19 and the conversation around it is so much bigger. And it's not something I have heard talked about a lot right in the past um i yeah. think we've i don't think it 
Go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that I don't think it's wrong to, to highlight from Galatians 5.19 these, these sins because I, I think that one thing that it helps to do in 2018 is highlight in very clear terms that these things are things that, that we do not as Christians engage in. And I think that's yes. helpful. I, I think that what we can't do is say that it's limited to this but i do think i find it very helpful to say look this is not how we live and it's also very helpful when you're you're trying to to see quickly you know it's almost like a sound bite in the way of here's a very quick way to to show why i don't engage in these things you know um it says that this is sin and yes, it's a bigger context, and it falls into a bigger idea. But I don't think there's anything wrong with with saying, "Look, these these are things that you'll find wrapped up in the idea of the sinful nature or of the flesh, or these are things that that typify the spirit." I will say that the spirit and the flesh that they're not designed to be exhaustive lists, right. and right. and even the way that Paul uses the singular nature of the fruit of the spirit. It's not the fruits, but it's when you have this growing in your life, let me describe what this, what this fruit looks like. It's, it's going to be full of love. It's going to be full of, of joy and of peace and patience. And I'm still talking about that same fruit that it's not different things necessarily within our lives. And similarly in, in, how he talks about the sinful nature that's the flesh um but yeah i think i think it's easy to narrow our focus and to to sort of just highlight these things and say this is sin let's move on but i don't think it's necessarily wrong to sit down on these things and say let's talk about what these things are let's just make sure that we understand what we're talking about yeah i i don't mean to i don't mean to say it's bad to do it that way. I think I just haven't, I've heard more of that than I've heard of the larger right. picture. Right, and I do I do think part of Paul's point here is to say, and even the way that he frames it, and let me just read this real quick. It says, uh, this is verse 16 and uh, through 18. It says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And I think part of what he's saying there is, is, and I think part of the greater point of the chapter is that the law no longer exists for our focus. That our focus should be the spirit. That our focus should be sort of this freedom that we've now attained, that you can do away with the law and still you don't live this immoral life because you are now living by the nature of the spirit. And the nature of the spirit is contrary to the nature of the flesh. So even if there is no law, even if we no longer observe the law, we are still sort of guided by something that is moral, which is the spirit of God, and I and I think part of 
part of Paul's greater point, like uh, in chapter three to five, is to say like the the law should no longer be like the sole focus of our morality. What should be the focus of our morality is the spirit. We are now free, and we should use that freedom to to live different lives, even that even different than the ones that the Jews were trying to live by trying to observe the law and trying to be moral. Um, and let me, let me say this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do, I, I think this, again, I think I'm really grateful for this conversation. I've, I think again, it's reminded me of things. It's made me see things in a little different way. We have talked about a lot of things. So as sort of we're closing this podcast, I sort of wanted to give each one of us a, uh, a, a chance to sort of uh, summarize in a few sentences what ultimately uh, we would like people to take away from the scripture as we're trying to answer the question of what does this mean for us. And as uh, and one of our, my hopes actually in trying to do this for this podcast is to show that answering that question isn't easy. That you mm-hmm. can do very sound exegesis and that you can have people who are very uh, serious about accurately trying to interpret scripture and still not come up with the same interpretation of what a particular passage means for us today. Uh, and that being said, though, I don't necessarily think that that's a horrible thing. I think there is a lot of merit in hearing people that have a different perspective on something and it, again like we all read the scripture we all prepare something for this particular podcast and to a certain degree we all sort of came up with the same thing but we also came up with different perspectives so as we close i guess ryan i'll start with you and then rachel and then i'll close this off what do you want people to take away from this um <clears throat> i think the the thing that i would like people to see is um, something that wasn't even said, but now that now that you're asking me for my summary idea, um, I'm realizing that the way that I read this scripture is different today than it was yesterday and the day before. Um, not dramatically different, but different in the sense that I have new experiences. God has shown me different things in my life. I've read other passages that I've learned from, and now all of a sudden, because I understand this other passage differently or better or more clearly, it plays a role in understanding this scripture. And I think being able to um, see that one of the beautiful things about scripture is that it really continues to teach you throughout your life. So even though you've read the same scripture every day, your entire life, it's going to teach you different things on a given day. Um, But there are still constraints that you have to abide by and you can't look, it can't say something that it didn't mean to the original audience or the original author. And so playing within those parameters though, you can, you can come up with a lot of things and it's going to speak to you in different ways based on what's happening in your life, based on what you've been reading, um, 
something else will jump out at you. Um, and it's amazing how the word of God works like that. Yeah. So I think that's, mm-hmm. that's what I would walk away with. I think for me, looking at this passage again, you know, Paul throughout the entire chapter is encouraging us to live by the Spirit. And he's comparing a life by the Spirit to a life under the law and where those two lead us. And how life under the Spirit leads to freedom. Life under the law leads to being severed from Christ and ultimately to death. And Paul could have easily taken this issue of circumcision and either not have addressed it, or he could have thought, well, I mean, it's an added precaution, right? It's because it it was a Jewish tradition, it was a Jewish culture, but he, even behind something, well, I'm a woman, so I could say as small as circumcision, <laughs> maybe the men of the congregation would not agree with me, but even for something like circumcision, Paul sees where that road could potentially go and where that could potentially lead you. Because if you start with circumcision and adding circumcision to salvation, what goes on from there? Because it's a, it's a slippery slope to just going back to the law where Christ is just kind of mixed into it, but we're still doing the law. And what he's saying is, no, we're supposed to do something different now. We're supposed to live by the Spirit something we're called higher than the law. This passage is constantly reminding me of Romans 7, and I encourage anyone to go back and read Romans 7 um, because I don't have time to read the passage I wanted to read (laughs) related to Romans 7. But I think for me, one, it makes me think, what are the small things that I could potentially put in the way of living free in Christ? What are the small ways that I can make obstacles maybe for myself or maybe for those I study the Bible with? What am I putting as a hindrance? Am I putting something as a hindrance to them? And then also I think to be encouraged that I am encouraged to live a life of freedom, that being a Christian is not a set of rules and not a set of do's and don'ts, that my life is more constrained because there are now things I can't do or places I can't go or people I can't talk to or whatever. That's not it at all. It actually gives me the freedom because I am under the spirit now. I'm not under the law. That I I can be set free both on an emotional level on a, a physical level, on a spiritual level, I think even mentally, allowing myself, I can live under guilt a lot of times about what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. Um, and I think what you said, Ryan, about the fruit of the spirit, about what gro- what's growing inside of me, I think what helps reorient my North Star, if, 
if it were, in my life is constantly asking myself, what is being produced? Am I producing love, joy, peace, patience? Am I producing the fruit of the Spirit in my life or am I not? And that helps me because to produce those things take a longer time. So it takes the pressure off of every single moment I have to be perfect. And instead, the goal is over time, I become more loving and I become more kind and I become more faithful. All those things. Uh, just as a closing thought, I'd like to offer uh, verse one of this chapter, which says, It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And I think to me the, the greatest thing to take away from this chapter and actually the second half of this book is that in Christianity we enjoy unprecedented freedom and it's a freedom that rids us of guilt and of regret and one that really uh, doesn't give us the freedom to just do whatever we want, but it gives us the freedom to live lives uh, that are full of joy and kindness and servitude towards others and self-control and gratitude and joy. And it's a life that we should learn to enjoy. And it's a life that we should learn to, uh, to really live by. Um, Christianity is supposed to be, in in great part, a, 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 a life that is burden-free. Not from suffering, but really from the things uh, that I think in, in many ways really uh, keep us from God. The, the Spirit is, is, is basically the sign that we, ha we are living in an open highway that uh, connects us to God and allows us to do things uh, that are for the good of others. And so, uh, you know, hopefully what you've learned from uh, this exercise in hermeneutics, again, is that there are many ways to answer the question, what does this mean for us? Uh, and certainly we, we hope that we, through this discussion, we have made this passage justice and that you've learned a lot just as we have and uh we do want to thank you for listening hopefully uh we will we not hopefully we are continuing this series on how to study the bible and uh, i think it's been very exciting for me and hopefully you've enjoyed it too and uh we are entering into a series within a series which is my favorite kind of series and uh, we in our following <laughs> podcast we're going to talk to be talking about uh the different uh, biblical genres and it's going to be uh, even more interesting that we have uh, been talking about up until now so we look forward to you listening uh, to the next few podcasts and I look forward for us to put it together and uh, thank you so much for listening uh, you can find us on social media at EtherMMC and uh, also in the very near future we're going to be starting uh, posting articles on Reddit and so that will be a major way in which uh, we can have some of these discussions all together, not only us, but uh, our audience as well. And so we look forward to doing that. And uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Take care. <laughs>